Hello and good afternoon from downtown Tyler, Texas. This is Bill Allen with another edition of our Facebook studies. Uh, we're doing this on Tuesdays and Thursdays live at 3 o'clock Central Time. And so uh, you're welcome to join in then on my Facebook page. You're welcome to see them at other times on our West Irwin Church of Christ and West Irwin Live Facebook pages and also on our uh, website at westirwin.com. That's E-R-W-I-N. That's the street we're on and have been for a long, long time. westirwin.com. You can scroll at the top and see where it says connect and then uh, find the place where it says live streaming page and click on that. You can see it live, our worship services at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings in that big blue box. If not, just scroll down and click on video archive and that's where you can find all of these previous messages as well as all of our uh, form, uh, previous uh, worship services and some other activities as well. Uh, play around on that uh, web page. You'll see lots of good stuff and uh, I'm glad that uh, you'll be able to get some use out of that. Uh, nice to see my friends Eric and Cindy here tagging along on this Thursday afternoon. We're going to be looking at Psalm 84, Psalm 84, and it's got so many wonderful, uh, great statements in it. I'm looking forward to reading this myself as I have done the last few days, but also uh, being able to share that with you. So um, uh, as we get into it, we're looking at using the daily devotional book from Oswald Chambers, uh, My Utmost for His Highest, on Tuesdays, on Thursdays, a daily devotional book from Timothy and Kathy Keller, The Songs of Jesus, looking at the Psalms uh, throughout the year uh, and seeing that in light of Jesus and seeing that as his song book and his prayer book in the first century and so uh, that's where we are we're at psalm 84 and we'll just get started reading it with these first few verses psalm 84 verse 1 how lovely is your dwelling place lord almighty my soul yearns even faints for the courts of the lord my heart and my flesh cry out for the living god even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young a place near your altar Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Um, <laughs> the Kellers write, this is the intense language of love poetry. Doesn't it sound like a love song? A love song to a church? Well, maybe not to a physical building, although that's what it sounds like. And that fits with the uh, context of a Jewish psalm. Uh, they saw the temple. Of course, if it's in the days of David, King Solomon would uh, be building the temple not long after that. But uh, if it's after that, which it possibly is, sounds like it is, then uh, they point to that great temple that Solomon built. If not, they're pointing to the tabernacle where the presence of God dwelt, the sanctuary that they had built as a temporary residence for um, the um, most sacred place for the Jews, the Holy of Holies, as instructed by the law given to Moses. Uh, but here, um, the psalmist is uh, just pouring his heart out in love and appreciation uh, for uh, the, the place where the Lord dwells, for the dwelling place of the Lord Almighty. Uh, and this is a living God. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. 
Uh, we're not talking about the the uh, wonderful, beautiful temple that Solomon had because we know that, that that went away. The Babylonians in the 6th century BC, uh, 586 BC, let's say, uh, or BCE if you prefer, before the Common Era, um, that Babylonians destroyed that temple, as beautiful as it was, but they didn't destroy God, the God who dwelt there. They didn't destroy the God of the Jews, El Shaddai, the mighty God. Um, we know that uh, that God lives on, and the psalmist knew that too. The psalmist knew that God was a living God, and that was the difference between the Lord, Jehovah, uh, the one uh, that the Jews worshipped, and all the other gods of all the other peoples in all the other lands. Uh, their gods were dead. They had been built by humans. They had used uh, different materials of earth and clay and even uh, precious metal to adorn their God, quote-unquote, little g. But that was not a living God. In fact, Isaiah, Jeremiah, others make fun of those gods. Isaiah even saying they have to nail it down so that it won't topple and fall over. Can you imagine worshiping something like that? Uh, the psalmist knew better. And the psalmist, as he pours out his heart to the temple, the place where God dwells, the place where God was worshiped in a very special, direct way by the Jews, he pours out his heart to the living God, one who is encountered as a personal living presence. Uh, and and the psalmist says, my soul yearns for that God. Does your soul yearn for God? Do you consider the place where the church gathers, uh, the times when the church meets together as something very special, uh, something very unique, something uh, uh, very much to be desired? Or do you think of that as just another Sunday? Do you think of that as something, well, maybe I'll go, maybe I won't go? The Jews never felt of worship that way. The first century Christians never felt of worship that way. They put their lives on the line to meet with the saints. We think of that passage in Hebrews 10, don't neglect, don't forsake assembling together, as some are already in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. The idea behind gathering together in the New Testament, in the time of the early church, was to encourage one another, to worship Jesus, yes, to worship God, yes, but to do that together as a community, as a circle of faith, so that there could be mutual encouragement given. And that's what's so special about that assembly. Do you, do you consider it special at all? Uh, the, the Kellers write, make constant, immediate fellowship with God a priority. Stop flitting around like a bird and learn to live a life near God. That's what the psalmist wanted. In fact, the psalmist talked about those animals, the birds, the sparrow, a swallow, that make a nest somewhere in that Old Testament Jewish temple. And, uh, and, and the psalmist is a little bit jealous about that and acknowledges that they find a home there, and that's what the psalmist wanted. May my home be near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who are there, who are always praising you there. Um, our, our intensity towards God kind of comes and goes, but that's a human thing. But if it comes, if it goes over a long period of time and it's uh, flitting away, as they write, that's not good. And that's a wrong pattern. That's a wrong path to be on. Change paths. Change paths. And that's the stern warning in Hebrews. 
Don't give up on your faith. Don't give up on the salvation and the promises uh, and the forgiveness that only Jesus can bring. Uh, resolve to live your life near the Lord. And that means on Sundays being a church. That means when there's opportunities to study the Bible with fellow Christians, take that opportunity. Um, ask yourself, what's more important? What is keeping me from being near the Lord with his people? That would be the equivalent in our day-to-day. -day. Let's keep reading, though, from Psalm 84, starting at verse 5. And I love these few verses. Listen to all the powerful statements in these verses. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. Verse 7, they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Verse 9, look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Speaking of the king for the psalmist, uh, speaking of those today that call upon God. Uh, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. What a great statement. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Another great statement we'll come back to. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. So many great statements in those verses. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. We have to see our Christian life as a journey. Um, and it's a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. We talked about that in our Bible class on Sunday morning a few weeks ago. Uh, it, it is a marathon. It, it's not a sprint. And that's what the writer of Hebrews acknowledges. And, and he acknowledges that it's a hard journey. It, it's uh, it's a, like any other marathon, it's, it takes a lot out of you. And there's a lot of places along this road where you decide that you're thinking, maybe I should just quit. Well, don't quit. Don't quit. Hang in there. And that's why you need to go to church, as we call it. That's why others need you to be there, because they need your encouragement so they won't quit. And you need theirs. Anyone who wants God must go on a journey. We go from one degree of strength to another. I love the way the psalmist puts that in verse 7. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. They're on that pilgrimage. They're on that journey. And it, it's, a, it's a hard journey. But they take that journey and they go from strength to strength. It's something that we build on from each other. Something that we build on in our own lives as we seek to do God's will. Uh, when we encounter the Lord in his word, seeing more and more who he really is and realizing that he's there for us uh, and realizing that by faith, we are transformed from one degree of glory to the next. Paul writes about that in 2 Corinthians 3 as he talks about being transformed and, and seeing that glory go from one to the next, not like Moses whose glory was fading, Remember, he would go before God at the burning bush and he would come back or he would go before God up on the mountain and he would come back and his face would be all shiny and everything. And then as it began to wane, he would put a mask over his face so that people wouldn't see that glory going away. Our glory isn't going away. Our glory is only increasing from one degree of glory to the next 
as the apostle writes. Uh, we go from strength to strength. And that's, that's what's important, this journey that we're on. And sometimes those times where the journey is especially difficult are the times when we can grow and mature and learn to depend more and more on God. Our walk is a walk of faith. Our journey, our pilgrimage is one of faith. And that means we trust in God. That means like Job, we learn that we don't have all the answers, that sometimes things don't go the way we think they should go. If God is a loving God, if he's an all-powerful God, that's when faith is really faith. That's when trust is really trust. God helps us find new growth through suffering. Uh, not in spite of it, not by getting away from it, but actually through it. And that's the difference for the Christian. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to be, beginning a, be uh, starting a, a new sermon series on Sunday mornings from the book of Philippians. And that's such a great and powerful book. The overall theme is rejoice. Joy is everywhere in that book. And yet Paul was writing from a Roman prison. He, was one, not, he wasn't for sure that he would be released. As far as he knew, he might die there. He felt like he would get out, but he wasn't for sure. That's the faith that we have. That's going from strength to strength, uh, realizing our trust and our power comes from God. Paul felt the same way as he writes in 2 Corinthians 12. Remember, he prayed that that thorn in the flesh, whatever that was, some say it was eyesight, some say it was he wasn't a good speaker, Apollos was a better speaker, as best we can tell from the writings of Scripture. Uh, whatever it was, um, Paul prayed that God would take it away, and yet God said, no, no, the thorn stays, but I'll give you my grace. I'll give you my grace. And Paul said, that'll be super, uh, because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Our journey is from strength to strength, and it's not our strength, it's God's strength. If you're feeling weak today, if you're feeling tired, if you're feeling worn out, if you're feeling the pressure of life, if you're uh, feeling sadness, uh, perhaps over a loss of a loved one or a relationship or something that you planned that didn't work out, know that God is there with you and he's on that journey with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. The writer of Hebrews reminds us of that. And even though you may feel like wondering where he is, he's there. He's there. All you have to do is look at the cross of Calvary and know that he's there because he did not allow Jesus to uh, keep from dying on that cross. He could have called it off, but he didn't. And he didn't because of you, and he didn't because of me. Um, I love that song, How Deep the Father's Love, and that, that is the greatest expression of his love and the greatest expression of the cost of sin. But that cost, that price was paid by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And because of that, and because he was raised from the grave, because that tomb is empty, we go from strength to strength. Uh, on this marathon, on this journey, on this pilgrimage, we go from strength to strength. Every step, God is with us. And every step, uh, his people are with us as well, if we will let them. Psalm 84 continues and concludes, in these words, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, as we read earlier. What a great statement. What a great statement. Would you make that trade? Would you make that trade to spend one day in the presence of the Lord, worshiping him with his people, the church? Or would you take a thousand days somewhere else? 
And before you answer, ask yourself, how have you been answering so far in your life? What have you been trading that one day with the Lord in his courts, worshiping him with his people? What have you been trading that for? A thousand days somewhere else? I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God, the psalmist says, than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Give me the, give me the lowest place. Give me the worst seat in the house. Give me the worst, most pitiful job. I'll do it. That's how much the psalmist longed to be in the presence of the Lord. Do you long to be in God's presence? And you might say, oh yeah, Bill, I sure do. Well, then what keeps you away from the Lord? when his people meet. And because that's what this psalm is about, really. The psalmist is talking about a, a, a temple, a building. Yes, for the Jews, it was a physical building. And for us, we have a physical building, most of us do, where we meet together as a church. But what the psalmist really longs for is that worship together with God's people. And I hope that's what you long for, too. And if you tell me that you do, then I'm going to ask you, okay, if I were to go to our secretaries and say, can you pull up the uh, attendance records for, and put your name in that blank? Would it show a desire and a longing to be with God's people, to be in the presence of the Lord, to worship the Lord? I know you can worship him everywhere, but you can't worship him everywhere with the church. Sunday assembly is a unique thing in the life of the Christian. You can find it nowhere else than when you meet together with God's people. And that's what the writer of Hebrews says, don't neglect, don't forsake. Why? Because you need it and because they need you there. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. No good thing does God withhold from those whose walk is blameless. I love the connection that the Kellers make with Romans chapter eight. Uh, remembering that uh, Paul in Romans chapter 8 says, how will, how will he who did not spare his own son not give us all things? He's already given us the greatest gift he could. He's already sacrificed the biggest sacrifice he could make. Why would he withhold anything else? Romans says. And he does this for the sake of his anointed one for us as Christians He's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the anointed one. That's the word Messiah that the Jews were looking for, that Jesus took upon himself and was worshiped as such and did not stop it. And when it came time for the Jewish Christian, the Jewish leaders to question him and say, are you the Messiah? Are you the son of God? Jesus acknowledged that he was. And he said, and you'll see me coming in power one day, but not that day. That day was meant for his sacrifice and he gave himself over to it even though he didn't have to we recognize that um, we have the greatest blessing of all having fellowship with our creator having fellowship with our savior having fellowship with others who share that wonderful saving grace and faith in Jesus Christ Jesus told a couple of parables he talked about the pearl of great price that that most valuable jewel, he talked about the treasure buried in a land that was so great that a man went and sold everything he had just to buy that field so he could have that treasure. 
The other man who was the collector of fine jewels sold all the other ones that he had collected so that he could buy that pearl of great price. The psalmist felt that way about being with God's people, being in God's house, desiring it, longing for it, wanting to be there for one day rather than a thousand days anywhere else. My dear friend, is that how you feel? Is that how you feel about gathering with God's people and worshiping? You can answer that, not today, answer that this coming Sunday. That's when you'll answer. Answer it by either attending and taking part and participating in the worship of the Lord with his people or not. That's where your answer will be. Are you on that pilgrimage? Are you on that journey? That's the only place where you can find going strength to strength, making it through that whole marathon, that whole journey. As Paul would write towards the end of his life, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the race. Steve Farrar talked about finishing strong. Wherever you are in your life, maybe you're young, maybe you're old, maybe you're somewhere in between. My prayer for you today is to go from strength to strength as you're on that journey, as you're on that pilgrimage, as you're running that race, and that you will finish strong. And that all, you'll also be someone who will help others finish strong. And you can't do that if you're not there with them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your church. Help us, Father, to feel such longing that our heart's desire would be to be in your house, to be with your people, to be worshiping you in that sacred assembly as we remember the the death and the burial and the resurrection of your son, not by ourselves, but in community with those who share that faith, with those who need that same encouragement, with those who are there, Father, to encourage us. Help us, Father, to go from strength to strength, to be there on that pilgrimage, to finish strong. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hope you have a great weekend. I hope that you are in church on Sunday. Did you catch that? And I hope that you encourage others to join you on that pilgrimage, to go from strength to strength and finish strong.